Chaotically Nerdy is made by nerds for nerds. This podcast is made by adults for adults and children with bad parents. Adult language will be used and adult situations may arise. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Chaotically Nerdy. On today's episode, I have with me... Jarrett. And our other host, Ethan, is gone. He decided to play D&D instead of talk about D&D because he sucks. And so to replace him in our hearts and in person, we have brought in a guest with us. And today's guest is Sean. Sean, why don't you say hello? Good and tell us a little bit about yourself. My name's Sean. I enjoy playing video games. I also play at the D&D table here at Sunday nights, the other host here. I like many types of role-play games, uh, both online and in person. I often like to collect. Um, I also resell collectibles as a career. About all I got. All right. Well, that's plenty. Where can they find your stuff at if anybody wants to look at it? My stuff can be found on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash Pickers, and you'll find our store page. Good deal. Hopefully it'll get you somebody, at least one person. <laughs> so on today's episode, we're going to talk about Rogue, which is funny because, you know, Ethan's not here and he wouldn't be sneaky at shit anyway. Bastard. I'm mad at him for not being here. <laughs> so like always, we're not going to go over the table. We're going to talk about the uh, features, and we're going to go over some of the subclasses, or in Rogue Speak, I believe it's archetypes. So, to start us off with the Rogue features, we're going to go to me. Alright, so as a Rogue, you get 1d8 for your hit points. You are proficient in light armor, simple weapons, hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, short swords... You get thieves tools, and your saving throws are dexterity, intelligence, and you get to choose four skills from acrobatics, athletics, deception, insight, intimidation, investigation, perception, performance, persuasion, sleight of hand, and stealth. Investigation is very important in that one because you should be checking for traps. That's how you check for traps. And depending on your DM, probably find loot afterwards. Um, we're not going to talk about equipment. We've, I think we've pretty well got away from that. So at first level, you get expertise. You get to choose two of those skill proficiencies that, that you picked. You also get some from your background, any other way that you get them. Yeah. So any of the skill proficiencies that you have, you can choose two of, or one of those proficiencies and your proficiency with thieves tools. And that your bonus is doubled for any ability check you make at six level. You get to choose two more. Also, at first level, you get sneak attack. Uh, Once per turn, you can deal an extra 1d6 damage to one creature you hit with an attack if you have advantage on the attack roll. The attack must use a finesse or ranged weapon. You don't need advantage on the attack roll if another enemy or target is within 5 feet of you. That enemy isn't incapacitated, and you don't have disadvantage on the attack roll. Which is very important, because if you're flanking, you pretty well always get it. Well, that's an optional roll. Is it? Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it should be a permanent rule. So it's that uh, sneak attack is very DM dependent um, and party dependent. If you don't have a way to consistently ad- generate advantage, 
your DM can kind of uh, screw you over out of sneak attack a bunch of times. And that makes the rogue very, very weak. Yeah. If you don't have sneak attack. The base class does come with several abilities yeah. that will assist in gaining that mm-hmm. advantage. As well as there are several subclasses that make massive changes mm-hmm. to sneak attack. And then that increases as you gain levels, and that's on the table. You guys can look at that. Uh, Essentially, so, it's one dice every two levels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you also get Thieves' Cant, which I don't think has ever been used. I've seen it used a handful of times. I mean, I've it's, it's it's about as rare as um, Druidic. Yeah. And it's basically just a secret language that only rogues know. At second level, you get Cunning Action, so you can use your bonus action to take the dash, disengage, or hide action. At third level, you choose your archetype. At fourth, eighth, tenth, twelfth, sixth, and nineteenth, you get your ability score improvements. Mm -hmm. At fifth level, you get uncanny dodge. When an attacker that you can see hits you with an attack, you can use your reaction to have the attack's damage against you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's once per round. Well, yeah, round because it's your reaction. Uh, at 6th level, again, you get expertise again. At 7th level, you get evasion. You can nimbly dodge out of the way of certain area effects, such as Ancient Red Dragon's Fire. If, if you make a deck save and mm-hmm. you fail it, you take half damage. If you pass it, you take no damage. Yeah. The bane of many DMs' existence. Yep. It's really good. It's probably my favorite feature. Uh, reliable talent you get at 11th level, and you've refined your chosen, your chosen skills until they... Approach perfection. Whenever you make an ability check that lets you add your proficiency bonus, you can treat a d20 roll of 9 or lower as a 10, which means if you're proficient in it, you cannot roll below a 10. Yeah. Overrides natural ones. Yeah, which is really good. But that does that affect... No, it does, It wouldn't affect your initiative. I don't know why my brain was like... It Technically, would. if you had some way to add your proficiency bonus... To that, you would... Like a Watcher's Paladin. The way I'm reading it... That technically lets you treat a roll of nine or lower as a ten. Okay. Right? I mean, that's the way I'm reading it. Yeah. I mean, if you can add your proficiency bonus to it. There you go. That's interesting. (laughs) Um, So, blind sense, you get at level 14. If If you are able to hear, you are aware of the location of any hidden or invisible creature within 10 feet of you. Uh, at 15th level, you get Slippery Mind. You have acquired greater mental strength. You gain proficiency in wisdom and save, in wisdom saving throws. Wisdom and saving throws. Uh, <laughs> at 18th level, you get Elusive. You are so evasive that attackers rarely gain the upper hand against you. No attack roll has advantage against you while you are incapacitated. I did not know they got that. That's because no one... I mean, yeah, we never played at 18th yeah. level, but <laughs> at 20th level... You have an uncanny knack for succeeding when you need to. If your attack misses a target within range, you can turn the miss into a hit. Alternatively, if you fail an ability check, you can treat the d20 roll as a 20. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a short or long rest. That's good. Mm-hmm. almost feel like it. I don't want to say you should get it more, but... It's also the rogue's only ability with a cooldown or a recharge on rest. Yeah. Yeah. They do get a lot of shit just for free. Yeah. but That's true, but... Important to note, Rogue is the only other class besides Fighter that gets the extra ASIs, or an extra ASI, outside of the normal five. They get one at ten. Tenth, yeah. Whereas, like, uh, Fighter gets them, like, you know, every even level except ten, I think. <laughs> Basically. But, yeah. 
I feel like that could be the stroke of luck would be okay with being like a your proficiency bonus amount of times per short or per long rest. Yeah, might it might get changed eventually. Who knows? If it was short rest, I feel like that'd be a little much to have it with proficiency bonus because then you could just use it every fight. <laughs> that essentially does just essentially make it like you know a better version of the luck feat. Yeah, in some in some instances where you can just be like. Here's this lockpick check. Here's a twenty. That's true. <laughs> I mean, that really. And plus, then you add whatever you get on yeah. top of it. Probably a seventeen. <laughs> I'm uh, just. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Double frisbee plus set five, and then you know, there's other things to like gloves of thievery. Yeah, make it a forty-two. All right, so now we're gonna get into the archetypes. We're gonna start off with arcane trickster and Jarrett. You get to take us into arcane trickster. Uh, Arcane Trickster. So this is the spellcasting rogue. Um, if you like a little magic with your sneakiness, as you know, most people do, this is the rogue for you. Uh, at third level, you get spellcasting. Um, much like the Eldritch Knight, the spells you pick depend on uh, their schools of magic at certain levels. You learn three cantrips, uh, Mage Hand, and two other cantrips of your choice from the Wizard Spell List. You learn another cantrip at 10th level. Uh, your spellcasting precarious is at normal, as uh, shown on the Arcane Trickster spell table. You learn three first level Wizard Spells of your choice, two of which must come from the Enchantment or Illusion spell, spell schools on the Wizard List. You... Where that uh, you the spells you learned eight eighth fourteenth and twentieth level can come from any school of magic. All other spells you learn must come from enchantment and illusion. Mage hand ledger main. Starting at third level, when you cast mage hand, you can make a spectral hand uh, invisible. Uh, you and you can perform the following act, additional tasks with it. You can stow one object the hand is holding in a container worn or carried by another creature. You can re- retrieve an object in a container worn or carried by another creature. And you can use your thieves' tools to pick locks and disarm traps at range. Can't perform one of these tasks without being noticed by a creature if you succeed on a sleight of hand check, contested by their perception check. In addition, you can you can use the bonus action granted by your cunning action to control the hand. So that's just like, let you be sneaky at a distance, which doesn't... <laughs> Really make a whole lot of sense, but, you know, magic. Yeah. Why not? Uh, at ninth level, you get Magical Ambush. Uh, if you're hidden from a creature when you cast a spell on it, the creature has disadvantage on any saving throw it makes against a spell that turn. So that's good for, like, your charms and your illusion magics that, you know, let you fool and beguile a target. Yeah, and be hidden. Yeah. Versatile Trickster. At 13th level, you gain the ability to distract targets with your Mage Hand. As a bonus action on your turn, you can designate a creature within 5 feet of the Spectral Hand created by the spell. Uh, doing so gives you advantage on attack rolls against that creature until the end of the turn. So, And that's really good, because then that helps with the sneak attack. Yeah, I mean, like we were talking about earlier. That Yep. At 17th level, you get Spell Thief. You gain the ability to magically steal the knowledge of how to cast a spell from another spellcaster. Immediately after a creature casts a spell... That targets you or includes you in its area of effect, you can use your reaction to force the creature to make a saving throw with its uh, spellcasting ability modifier. The DC equals your spell save and DC. On a, sp- on a failed save, you negate the spell's effects against you and steal the knowledge of the spell if it is at least a first level spell 
and a level you can cast. Uh, for the next eight hours, you know the spell and can cast it with using one of your spell slots. Uh, the, cr- the creature can't cast that spell until the eight hours have passed. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. So you literally can steal magic from people. Which is nice. That's But I feel like from a rogue standpoint, unless you're just really wanting to try and take a dip into magic, you're not going to take this. <sighs> I can't say I've ever seen... You're, you're probably more likely going to get go until, you know, the mid-levels of rogue. I can't tell you when, but like somewhere around like 11th level, and then you're probably going to dip out into like wizard or something. Or yeah, artificer. if you're just wanting spells. Or artificer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see both. That takes care of that. Next up we got assassin, which is probably the easiest to start with for rogue. I mean, like if you're just new to it and you're wanting to play some something. Like but, if you're new to D&D and you've already got a fighter and you've already got a... Ranger, and you're like, mm-hmm. I need another fairly simple class. And it is another one that is really DM dependent. Yeah. Because how they not- rule surprise and how much they give you surprise. And flanking. and Well, not and flanking, but like surprise is like the main. Yeah, that's if true you, too. If you have a DM that does not give you surprise. It hurts Assassin. That's assassin sure. becomes an infinitely weaker. I don't know why I rolled. It's Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Assassins focus their training on the grim art of death. Those who adhere to this archetype are diverse. Hired killers, spies, bounty hunters, and even spe- uh, specially anointed priests trained to exterminate the enemies of their deity. Stealth, poison, and disguise help you to eliminate your foes with deadly efficiency. So, assassin gets some bonus proficiencies when they take this archetype at third level they gain proficiency with both the disguise kit and the poisoner's kit Uh, and there's a lot of rp to be had there starting at third level they get their assassinate ability which is uh, when you have advantage on attack rolls against any creature that hasn't taken an attack in combat yet and it yeah you're right yeah uh, yeah Um, in addition any hit you score against a creature that is surprised is a critical hit Infiltration expert earned at level 9, you can unfailingly create false identities for yourself. You must spend 7 days and 24 gold to establish the history, profession, and affiliations for an, ad- for an identity. You can't establish an identity that belongs to someone else. For example, you might acquire appropriate clothing, letters of introduction, and official-looking certification to establish yourself as a member of a trading house from a remote city so you can insinuate yourself into the company of other wealthy merchants. Uh, thereafter, if you adopt a new identity as a disguise, other creatures believe you you to be that person until given an obvious reason not to. At 13th, they gain the imposter ability. You gain the ability to unerringly mimic another person's speech, writing, and behavior. You must spend at least three hours studying these three components of the person's behavior, listening to speech, examining handwriting, and observing mannerisms. Your ruse is indiscernible to the casual observer. If a wary creature suspects something is amiss, you have advantage on any charisma deception checks you make to avoid detection. They get their capstone at level 17, which is Death Strike. You become a master of instant death. When you attack and hit a creature that is surprised, it must make a constitution saving throw. 
on a felled save, double the damage of your attack against the creature. And that will double the sneak attack damage as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's where the surprise, how your DM does it, matters well, more. Well, not the, the third level ability. No, you don't have to. They don't have to be surprised. The last sentence. In addition, get, any hit you... Yes. That, okay, it does say that is surprise. Never mind. Just getting advantage. It's like, okay, cool. You get instant sneak attack for the first time. We always took it as... That's why. No. That's why it threw me off. Because we always took it that if you went before them, you got it. No. I, it's if you're surprised. I mean, you always gave it to... You, you either you or Ethan always gave it to me. No. That if I went before them, that we got the crit. The abilities rely heavily on the imposter aspect as well, which is very DM dependent as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's just really like role play. Like if that's not somebody's forte, forte. If they're not like a like I'm going to be infiltrate this high society party. <laughs> not really. They're not going to get much use out of those two middle features. Yeah, that's true too. It's why I see this as more of like a dip. You dip in there, you get you know probably up to like evasion, like level seven, and get out. Yeah. Um. So next up is inquisitive, which we're actually not going to talk about one of the few that we cut it says that they excel at rooting out secrets and unraveling mysteries uh i'm trying to look at what they get they basically just get bonuses to stuff yeah basically they can just use like their abilities to like figure out stuff about the enemy and get bonuses from looking at it's not that it's bad it's just not it's not as good as the other ones i think yeah and it's, then it's less combat oriented, yeah. more RP oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Mastermind's next up. And again, we're not talking about it either. It's kind of the same way, I believe. Well, they get like, they can kind of use their bonus action to use the help action and like kind of like manipulate the battlefield a bit more. Gotcha. And then we are going to talk about Phantom, which comes from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Jarrett, that's you, bud. Cool. Uh, so this is like a, a, a rogue that somehow is in, involved with like necromancy or some of some sort. Like they have some connection to the afterlife or the undead. Uh, Whispers of the dead at third level. Echoes of those who have died cling to you whenever you finish a short or long rest. You can choose one skill or tool proficiency that you lack and gain and gain proficiency in it. As a ghostly presence shares this knowledge with you. Uh, you lose this proficiency when you use this feature to choose a different proficiency. Uh, also at third level, you have whales from the grave. As you nudge someone close to the grave, you can channel the power of death to harm someone else as well. Immediately after you deal sneak attack damage to a creature on your turn, you can target a second creature that you can see within 30 feet of that first creature. Uh, roll up of half the number of sneak attack dice for your level round up, and the second creature takes necrotic damage equal to that roll's total. Um you can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you gain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So this ability basically allows you to become from a single damage attacker to like a multi like damage dealer. Yeah, which is something the rogues normally are very bad at. And that's because they get sneak attack to make up for that. Yeah, the idea just, behind they, it. That's yeah. why they don't get extra attack. They just can't deal damage very well to multiple people. They're pretty much like, I focus on this person yep. and I attack them. Yep. I'm going to take out the big yep. bad guy until yep. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> and then take out somebody yep. else. Uh, at ninth level, you get tokens of the departed. When a life ends in your presence, uh, you, you're you able to snatch a token from the departing soul, a sliver of its life essence that takes physical form. 
As a reaction, when a creature you can see with dies within 30 feet of you, you can open your free hand and cause a tiny trinket to appear there. A soul trinket. Uh, the DM determines the trinket's form, or you can roll from the trinket's table in the player's handbook to generate it. Uh, you can have a maximum number of soul trinkets equal to your proficiency bonus, and you can't create one while you're at your maximum. Uh, you can use a soul trinket in the following ways. While a soul trinket is on your person, you have advantage on death saving throws and constitution saving throws for your vitality is enhanced by the life essence within the object. Uh, when you deal sneak attack damage on your turn, you can destroy one of your soul trinkets that's on your person and Im then immediately use the whales from the grave without expending a use of that feature. Uh, as an action, you can destroy one of your soul trinkets no matter where it's located. When you do so, you can, you can ask the spirit associated with that trinket one question. Uh, the spirit appears to you and the and answers in a language it knew in its life uh, is un, under no obligation to be truthful, and it answers as concisely as possible, eager to be free. The spirit knows only what it knew in life, as determined by the DM. So that's like another way, just to get like essentially double the uses of wells for the grave. If you need it, and not even double because you can keep killing people, getting free uses. Dang. Uh, pretty good. At 13th level, you have Ghost Walk. Uh, you can face partially into the realm of the dead, becoming it like a ghost. As a bonus action, you assume a special form. Although in this form, you have a flying speed of 10 feet. You can hover, and attack rolls have disadvantage against you. Uh, you can move through creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain, but you take 1d10 force damage if you end your turn inside a creature or an object. You stay in this form for 10 minutes or until you end... End it as a bonus action. Uh, to use this feature again, you must finish a long rest or destroy one of your soul trinkets as part of the bonus action used to activate the ghost walk. You know, that's good because you can move through objects. You can go through a fucking wall and be like, surprise, motherfucker. That's, Stab. Yes. But there's so many others that give you fly and don't have restriction, like other subclasses. It's. I don't think it's about the flying, really. I know it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's more, more about, about the, phasing through. Yeah. But even just making it 20 feet. Or matching your speed. I mean, matching your speed may seem like a little bit much, but That's not, I, ten feet seems very short, very very small. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, at seventeenth level, you have death's friend. Uh, your association with death has become so close that you gain the following benefits: uh, when you when, when you use your whales from the grave feature, you can deal the necrotic damage to both the first and the second target. Uh, at the end of a long rest, a soul trinket appears in your hand if you don't have any soul trinkets as the spirits of the dead are drawn to you. So that basically lets you be an even better single damage dealing target person because you basically get 150% of a sneak attack on one person. Yeah. <laughs> very strong. Very good. Um, I would like, I think if there's a really neat role play thing where you maybe have a soul trinket, you know, I think you get those at what? thought it was... Ninth, yeah, I think ninth, like a high level campaign where you have like a soul trinket of like you know your mentor or something like a you know like an ancestor like you know I think that'd be kind of neat like you know and then like in a moment of crisis you like break the soul trinket to ask it a question or something I don't know oh I can think of like really neat soul or soul role play things with that yeah so next up is scout and it's me all right so scouts are skilled in stealth and surviving far from the streets of a city allowing you to scout ahead of your companions during expeditions. They they get good at looking at shit. At third level, you get Skirmisher. 
You are difficult to pin down during a fight, and you can move up to half your speed as a reaction when an enemy ends its turn within five feet of you. The This movement doesn't provoke opportunity attacks. So it helps you in the way of you don't have to use your bonus action to take the disengage. If you want or dash. Yeah. Well, you can use it to dash instead and then yeah, move. or you, if you, you want to move you can move up your half your movement, so. Yeah. Uh survivalist, you also get at level 3, you gain proficiency in the nature and survival skills if you don't already have it. Your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check you make that uses either of these proficiencies. That's a lot. That's Cuz I mean, you've already got expertise. Yeah, that's four expertise essentially at level 3. Yeah. And then six at levels. <laughs> yeah. And then superior mobility at ninth level, your walking speed increases by 10 feet. If you have a climbing or swimming speed, this increase applies to that speed as well. At 13th level, you get ambush master. You excel at leading ambushes and attacking first in a fight. You have advantage on initiative rolls. In addition, the first creature you hit during the first round of a combat becomes easier for you and others to strike. Attack rolls against that target have advantage until the start of your next turn. It's like a little free guiding bolt almost, but even like for everybody. Yeah, instead of just one. Yeah. And then at 17th level, you get sudden strike. You can strike with deadly speed. If you take the attack action on your turn, you can make one additional attack as a bonus action. This attack can benefit from your sneak attack even if you've already used it this turn, but you can't use your sneak attack against the same target more than once in a turn. That's where you get doing more damage to more than one person. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it'd be kind of hard to pull off, though. Just to, I guess it depends on how close they are. To well, uh, ideally, you'd be using a bow yeah. with this build. Yeah, yeah. This they're is, almost a non-spellcaster ranger. That's exactly what this is. Yeah, I mean, essentially, it pairs really good with you know Gloomstalker. <laughs> All right, so that takes care of Scout. Next up is Soul Knife. We're not going to talk about it. You basically get psionic powers to make your hand a knife. That's a very, very shortened version of yeah, that. Yeah, you have but psionic abilities like let you summon psychic knives, and you can like they use it to like augment that. It's one of the, it's like you want to play a Jedi kind of play that kind of. I mean, a little bit. There's other there's better classes yeah. to play for Jedi, and next up. You may be wondering why we brought Sean in. I'm not even going to roll the dice. I had it in my hand, shaking it, ready to roll. Uh, It's because of Swashbuckler. I've played, I think, three campaigns with you. Maybe four. And I think two of those, you had a Swashbuckler rogue in. Yeah, our online campaigns. Yeah. Um, It is my favorite class in the game. Uh, Swashbucklers focus their training on the art of the blade, relying on speed, elegance, and charm in equal parts. While some warriors are brutes clad in heavy armor, your method of fighting looks almost like a performance. Duelists and pirates typically belong to this archetype. A swashbuckler excels in single combat and can fight with two weapons while safely darting away from an opponent. Swashbucklers are your corsairs, your... uh, musketeers, that sort of character. At third level, they learn fancy footwork. Uh, They learn how to land a strike and then slip away without reprisal. During your turn, if you make a melee attack against a creature, that creature can't make opportunity attacks against you for the rest of your turn. That allows you to use your bonus action to make an offhand attack instead of disengaging with cunning action. 
At third level, they also gain rakish audacity. Your confidence propels you into battle. You can give yourself a bonus to your initiative equal to your charisma modifier. That can give Rogue some crazy uh, initiative. You also gain an additional way to use your sneak attack. You don't need advantage on the attack roll to use your sneak attack against a creature if you are within five feet of it and no other creatures are within five feet of you. And you don't have disadvantage on the attack roll. All the other rules for sneak attack still applies. This makes swashbucklers kind of a 1v1 brawler mm-hmm. almost yeah. in melee. Uh, at ninth level, they earn panache. Your charm becomes extraordinarily beguiling. As an action, you can make a charisma check contested by a creature's wisdom check. The creature must be able to hear you, and the two of you must share a language. If you succeed on the check, the creature is hostile to you. It has disadvantage on attack rolls against other creatures other than you and can't make opportunity attacks against creatures other than you. This effect lasts for one minute, which is ten rounds, until one of your companions attacks the target or affects it with a spell, or until you and the target are more than 60 feet apart. If you succeed on the check and the creature isn't hostile to you, it is charmed by you for one minute. While charmed, it regards you as a friendly acquaintance. This effect ends immediately if you or your companions do anything harmful to it. Okay, the way that was worded at first, I was really going to be like... (laughs) So wait, you can attack it, but then it it corrected itself. No, but it is much more powerful than the actual charm spell because the spell reads that they know they've been charmed mm-hmm. after it wears off. This is just your charismatic bastard who's like... With boy, no spell boy. slots. <laughs> I don't think they're going to pull a Billy Butcher and say, Oi, cunt! Oi, cunt! <laughs> and they're going to be like, oh, I'm charmed. At 13th Worked on me. level... They earn Elegant Maneuver. You can use a bonus action on your turn to gain advantage on your next Dexterity Acrobatics or Strength Athletics check to make you make during the same turn. And at 17th level, their capstone is Master Duelist. Your Mastery of the Blade lets you turn failure into success, into success in combat. If you miss an attack roll, you can roll it again with advantage. Once you do so, you can't use this feature again until you finish a short or long rest. It's a good class. It's really fucking good. I'm like, going to be honest, never paid that much attention to it, but it's really good. It, there's, It's just, it's it's probably the best at generating its own advantage, like, or not advantage, but its own sneak attack, I yes, should say. Yes, you will have sneak, sneak attack. attack way more often than not yeah. with Swashbuckler, and as, it as turns lo- the class into yeah, a As long as you don't have, like, a dickhead teammate who's like, oh, you're attacking him? Let me come over there and help you, bud. Like, no. Well, even then, it falls back to regular sneak attack yeah, where if you have get, an ally within yeah. five feet. Yeah. If you get flanking, um, which mm. you should. <laughs> I mean, I'm, just, I'm not going to lie about it. You mm-hmm. should. It's something you should get. Uh, so next up is Thief. We're not going to talk about it. They're good at stealing shit. It's literally, <laughs> it's it's the name. The if only you, good thing they get, or interesting thing they get, is they can ignore restrictions on magic items. So if the, you a dwarf only item or a paladin only item, which is weird to get. It's a really odd thing, but it does lead to some shenanigans, where you can be a rogue and have a holy avenger. <laughs> Their fast hands can be powerful, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, let's use the most of the adventuring items as a bonus action. It is as basic a rogue as you're going to get, though. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up all of that. Sean, why don't you tell us about your rogue swashbuckler? Well, my last one I played was Captain Raven Blackwood. Uh, he was a drow pirate in one of the custom worlds we played in. He preferred to talk his way out of situations than fight. Um, it, it was a very different rogue, uh, never stealthed, um, but would be up front, um, use lots of sleight of hand right in front of everybody. Um, but he, he talked himself into his own fortress. He got his own pirate gang full of goblins. He stole a uh, ship on the first test night, and the DM loved it so much, we just ran with it. That's always good. Mm -hmm. Anytime you get to do shit that makes everybody laugh enough that you're like, that's great. All right, so if you've listened, we always ask a question at the end of the D&D episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, it comes from Dungeon Loot Armory. I have to think about it every time I say it. And it's, which rogue would you add to your party if you're adding a party? So our options are Bilbo from Lord of the Rings, Arya Stark from Game of Thrones, not from Critical Role, or Vax from Critical Role. It's like making me choose between kid my kids. You don't have I kids. Know. You have to talk to a woman to have a kid. <laughs> if I had kids, it'd be like choosing a favorite. Fair enough. I know I'm picking Vax. I'm sorry. It's just that's what's happening. But he's really good. To clarify, I don't know that much from Not. I know Sam Regal plays not and is very good because it's Sam Regal but I haven't watched that much of that campaign to really say I've watched the I've watched more of campaign one I've watched the freaking TV show Mm -hmm. so I mean it it would make sense for me to pick backs yeah yeah if you're still thinking Sean can go yeah Sean you go I would have to say Bilbo that was the one that made Ethan very mad that it was on the list that we talked about it Ethan (laughs) said it's not he's not a thief or a rogue and we're like he's a thief (laughs) It's literally... That's literally what we said. Yeah. And he's like, no, he's a fucking commoner. Like, well, guess what? You're not here to argue it, you yeah, bitch. Fuck well, you, that Ethan. just shows how versatile <laughs> rogues are. Yeah. A, you don't have to worry about them getting greedy and stealing from the rest of the party. Yeah. Which is a very common rogue archetype. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> really annoying common rogue archetype that annoys me. Uh, I'm going to pick not. Really? Yeah. Okay. I love Vex. But Not's just so fucking good. Is that more because of Not, or is that more because of Sam Regal? It's the same thing. <laughs> I don't know that it is. All right, so that wraps up the Rogue episode. We cranked through that. Yeah, we did. That was, we're, that's we're, a shorter episode. Yeah, we're apparently getting faster at this. It's no longer taking us hours. We probably could have talked about more classes. Eh, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. So, again, if you want to find and listen, talk to us. God, I think I just had a stroke. It was Jamie's fault. (laughs) So if you want to talk to us on our Discord, we're all active there. Jared's actually active now. He we had made him change his name. He's no longer the watcher. I don't know if you'd seen that today or not. No, I haven't looked yet today. Uh, Yeah. We made him change his name since he talks now. Don't say they. It was you. It was me. You bullied me into it. I bullied you into talking too. I feel like I was just bored at work. (laughs) 
So if you want to find our Discord and you want to find links to our Facebook page, you can go to anchor.fm slash chaotically nerdy. And we hope you stick around and listen to us again. We appreciate you.